good to be here this morning uh, with you guys. Now, you don't realize this, but a few minutes ago, maybe half an hour ago, a historic event of great proportions took place right here in this chapel. And could you just put that picture up there? I want to show you this. This is incredible. As you can see, for the first time in the history of mankind, three columns have been brought together. Can you believe that? Have you, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, we have Colin on the left with the beard, me in the middle, and we have the Asian Colin. <laughs> and as I was talking to Colin on the, the Asian Colin, I said, man, to me, I mean, this, you know the name Colin has made it to great heights when the Asian community has accepted that name. <laughs> We're there now, man. We are there now. But as I always say, in every Caucasian, there's a little Asian, so, you know. Um, uh, I'm going to show you a video clip. Uh, I think it's a great video clip. Uh, you're going to probably laugh at it, and I want you to listen carefully of what happens in this video clip, and then we're going to get into the word. Look at this guy come up to him. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Can you imagine being that guy? I mean, this is, I mean, those, those, these, these, these linemen, they don't get the ball that much, you know? So when he gets it on a fumble, he's like, yeah, and he just runs, and there's 80,000 people, and he's getting really excited, and he's going to the end zone, yeah, and then he throws the ball in the air, which is a big mistake right there. And he thinks he's gotten himself a touchdown, but what he's done is he's scored for the other team. And I love the, the broadcaster. He's running the wrong way. He's going the wrong way. And when I see that video, I laugh, you know, but, but I have to ask myself the question, and, and I want to challenge you with this question. It's simply this. In the game of life, in the game of life, are we running the right way or are we running the wrong way? When it comes to our Christian life, when I think of you wonderful students here, some of you are studying business, some of you are studying to be in full-time ministry, and that's great, and you're going to get a degree. Yes, you're going to wear that little hat with a little bobble, and you're going to throw it over to the side, and you're going to graduate. That's your football. But my question is, when that happens, which direction are you going to run? Are you going to run the way that God wants you to run, or are you going to run the wrong way? Sometimes I think my God in heaven's looking at McCartney, me, and saying, you're running the wrong way. You're running the wrong way. My challenge this morning is this, is what direction are we running? Are we running God's way, or are we running our way? Are we wasting our lives running our way, or are we dedicating our lives to go in the direction God has called us to go? That is the question that I want to challenge you with this morning. And you're studying the great commandments of the scriptures, and uh, the young woman read that scripture. She did an excellent job. She read it a lot better than I could ever read it. But if you do have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter, chapter 10. And this is a situation that Jesus is in. There's a teacher of the law that challenges Jesus and asks him this question. He's basically saying, Jesus, tell me which direction to run with my life. Tell me the direction I should go. It says in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What must I do? He's asking the question. He's basically saying, what must I do to run the right direction? Because, you know, when we see that, that, that question that he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I don't know about you, but I'm an evangelical, and I see that, and I go, he's asking Jesus, how can I get saved? There's a good word. How do I get saved? That's what it seems to me that he's asking. But in the context, and in Jesus' day, whenever the Jews talked about eternal life, they were talking about it in the present right now. They're asking, he's asking the question basically this, is what can I do or what must I do to live a divinely inspired life? You hear what I'm saying? It's not just about the future, the here, you know, way over here when I die. For the Jews, they wanted eternal life now, and it was much more than just eternal salvation. It was living a divinely inspired life. In other words, this guy is asking Jesus a great question. What direction should I go with my life? How do I run my life the way God wants me to run? Now, of course, he's a lawyer, so he's testing Jesus. He's an expert in the law, and he's, he's stood up to test Jesus. He's taking an aggressive stance. He's not really being kind to Jesus. He, he wants to get Jesus into trouble. So his motives are all wrong, but his question is all right. It's a great question for us to ask this morning. Jesus, what is it that I must do? To, to run that, that, those gifts, that football, those gifts, those talents, those things you've given to me, which direction do I run with this? And Jesus gives him the simple answer. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself is what the lawyer said. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Now Jesus in Matthew 22, he actually, talking, I think talking to someone else, says that answer as well. It's to love God and to love people. That's the direction we should be running, my friends. It's that simple. I have a friend who runs a ministry similar to Urban Promise in the United States, and it's called Mission Year. And what they do is they look like for students like you guys, and they say, give us a year, and we'll put you in an inner-city community in the United States. I, I would love to have you for a year or even a summer. We'll put you in an inner-city community here in Toronto with Urban Promise. But they do it in the States, and their motto is this, love people, Love God, love people, nothing else matters. That's a good one. Love God, love people, nothing else matters. But so often we, we miss up. So often we forget that that's the direction we're supposed to go. I, uh, I was meeting with an inner city pastor a little, a little while ago, and he was 18 years in the inner city in Toronto, and he was burnt out. And so I had to ask him the question. I said, Pastor, tell me, what what happened? Like, you know, tell me your story. Tell me, go way back to the beginning. Tell me your story. You're, you're burnt out. You're frustrated. You're quitting. And he did quit. I said, what happened? And then he told me this story, and I want to share this with you because it means a lot to me when I look at your faces. And he said this. He said, well, you know, 18 years ago, before I started this ministry, I graduated from Bible college, and I really had a desire to love God. And I had a desire to love people, specifically the poor and the hopeless, the people in this community. That was my calling. That was my drive and my passion. I had that. I wanted to love God with everything I had. And I wanted to love the people who were hurting. And he said, I took over this church. And he said, they beat it out of me. I go, what do you mean they beat it out of you? The people in my church beat it out of me. How do they beat it out of you? He said, well, all they did was talk about themselves. It was all about me, me, me. They wanted me to serve them. They wanted me to help them. They wanted me to love them. It was all about ourselves. And I said, you put that up with that for 18 years? And he said, yeah. And he started to cry. And my response to him was this. I said, my friend, 
you need to return to your first love, to love God and to love those people who are hurting. You need to return to your first love. I mean, you guys are going to get degrees and you're going to get challenges and you're going to enter this church or this whatever you're going to do or this business and you've got these talents and these gifts, but be careful of those who will beat it out of you. That whole calling that God has given you to love him and to love your neighbor. Because there are going to be things in the way, there's going to be obstacles, there's going to be attachments, and things are going to try to beat it out of you. Just like that pastor. Don't let them beat it out of you. If you let them beat it out of you, you're running the wrong way. I know of another guy who went to Haiti. We, we prayed about Haiti this morning, and he, he went there, and um, he was a college student. And he went there for two weeks, missions trip. And one night, the priest of the local village came into the little huts where these students were, these college students, and knocked on the doors, and he said, you must come with me. It was three in the morning. And these students got up, and they followed the priest. And the priest led them to a mass grave, and there were little mothers there holding their little babies who had died that night. And the priest said, you need to bury these children. And so they did. They buried these kids. And this, this, this big college student just started to weep. He started to cry as he buried the children. And and, and, and he made a vow to God. He said, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a medical degree and I'm going to come back here. I'm going to love you. Uh, I, because I love you, I'm going to love these people. I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to stop children from dying. So he went back to school and he got his medical degree and he graduated. And now he's a surgeon for plastic surgery to do the most ridiculous type of surgery. And you guys know what I'm talking about on rich white women. What happened to the dream? Money, prestige, love God, love people. He lost the dream. It got beaten out of him. I, look, I mean, look at this slide. I want to show you something. I was thinking about this as I was preparing. And I was thinking about it as a person who's an ordained minister, who's done church ministry, and now I'm doing urban ministry in a parachurch context. There's so many times when I was a pastor of a church, I couldn't believe the stuff that would be big issues. And, 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 and the church made it into these big issues, and they aren't big issues. One of them could be the gay marriage issue. That may get me in trouble this morning to bring that one up. People, Christians are so involved, and they were involved in this thing to fight it and pour all this money in, but have we really loved the gay community? I'm not saying I'm, I agree with gay marriage, but I'm saying, have we really loved them? Have we loved those people? Love God. Love people. Love your neighbors. They are our neighbors. But have we really loved them? No, we poured all this money to fight this issue. And I'll tell you, the thing that scares me most about, about the, the damaging the family isn't gays getting married. It's Christian heterosexual couples getting divorced. That's the big issue. Maybe we should be looking at ourselves before we look at them. I was at another church, and they were doing this big thing about we have to, there's this book out there, and it's wrong, and we're going to do this, and we're going to da 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 And I'm thinking, who cares? We've got 30,000 children dying every day of starvation-related diseases, and we're making a big issue of a book. And by the way, that book was a few years ago. You know what the book was? It was Harry Potter. Most of you read Harry Potter. You probably read it in a class here at Tyndale. <laughs> and it was a big issue when it first came out. It's witchcraft. It's this. It's that. And I'm thinking about there's 30,000 kids dying daily, and we're making an issue out of a book. 
love God. Like, could you imagine Jesus up in heaven? He's sitting there going, 30,000 kids dying, and you guys are wasting your time about banning a book. What direction are we running with our faith? Which direction are we going in our life? I don't want to know about you, but I don't want to run the wrong way. I want to run the way God wants me to run. I want to make the big issues the big issues in the eyes of God and in the kingdom of God. I don't want to deal with all these little petty issues. So how do we do this? How do we run the right direction? How do we do it? Well, I love what Jesus says here. I mean, look at this. He goes on. I mean, how many times does he talk about love here as being an action word? He says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, body. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, do this and you will live. And an interesting thing is then he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. You know that story? We all know that story. Guys, Jews going down the road. He gets mugged, beaten, left at the side of the road. The Samaritan loves him. Loves him. How does he love him? Help me out here. How does the Samaritan love on that guy? What's that? He helps him. He bandages him. He gets, gets his hands dirty and bloody. He goes to the side of the road. He could get attacked by other muggers, right? But he, he takes the chances. And he puts the bandages on the guy, puts him on his horse or his donkey, goes to the local inn, pays money. He gets involved. You want to love God and love your neighbor? Then you got to do it. Love is an action word. You have to do it. We can sit here and sing worship songs. Oh, I praise God. He's wonderful. I love Jesus. He's my Jesus. But if we really love Jesus, we'll love our neighbors. Because that word, when he says, love the Lord your God with all your strength, mind, soul, body, and then love your neighbor. He's not talking about a separate thing. It's the same deal. I have in my pocket a toonie. On one side of the toonie, there's a bear. The other side of the toonie, there's a queen's face. You can't have one without the other. I try to scrape the queen. If I try to rip the queen's face off of this coin, it won't work. If I try to quick, quick, rip the bear's face off this coin, it doesn't work. They're two separate issues, but they make a coin, one coin. And what Jesus is saying, if you really love God, O oh, oh teacher of the law, you expert of the law, if you really love God, because you're really good at talking about loving God, and you're really good at doing all this religious stuff, but if you really love God, it's going to show up in how you love your neighbor. That's where you will see if someone really loves God. It's the same, one and the same. We can't separate the two. We can say, I really love God. Well, how do, you, how do I know you really love God? Well, I go to church on Sunday, and I'm in the choir, and I run a youth group, and I do all this wonderful Christian stuff. That doesn't prove anything. If you really love God, it'll be shown in how you love your neighbor, through actions like the Samaritan. Those Pharisees, the priests, you know, they walk at the side of the road. They don't even want to get involved with that Jewish guy at the side of the road. They don't even get their hands dirty. They walk around them. Ooh, he's unclean. He's a dead body. I don't want to go near him. He's naked, whatever. They go around him. That's not love. That's not loving God. Jesus is saying, if you really love God, you'll love your neighbor. It's action. That's how we do it. We get involved. It's action. To love God is to love your neighbor. To love your neighbor is to love God. It's one and the same thing. So my question is, which direction are you running? Are you running towards the neighbors who are hurting? Or are you running towards your buddies who aren't hurting? <laughs> I was coming up here uh, earlier. I, I, it's a long story, but my car broke down. But anyhow, these fire trucks went speeding by, and I was thinking, maybe Tyndale's on fire. And if Tyndale's on fire, imagine if the fire trucks went, kind of went the opposite direction. You know, all these flames coming out. And all these fire trucks go, fire, let's go the other way. That's not a very good fire department. 
They're going the wrong way. I don't want to pay taxes to those guys. And it makes me wonder about our churches. Do we really want to pay tithes to a church that isn't running to the fires, but are running away? And there's some of our churches, like I was in a church to see a few years back, and we run a program in downtown Toronto, and we run this summer camp for, for high-risk, low-income kids, and all the kids in the program got lice. They didn't get lice from us. They already had it when they came into our program. 70 kids all with lice. And I went to the church across the street. We kept those kids in our program because who cares? They're lice, right? Big deal. You get some lice on your head, big, big whoop. In fact, right now I probably have a few. Now they're on you, and they're going to spread. They have youth for Christ. I believe in lice for Christ. But anyway, who cares? They had lice, big deal. And so we let the kids come into the program, and we ministered to them, and a lot of them became Christians, and it grew we had all these children. We got to know their mothers, single mothers. It was great. So I went to the church across the street. I said, look, we need more space. Can we utilize your building? Can we do this? Can we do that? You know, we got all these kids, and, they, and, and they're hungry for God, and a lot of them come to know Christ. This is great. This is wonderful. It's like a revival. And the pastor said, no. I said, why not? He says, because they're troubled kids. They'll wreck our church. And I hear they have lice. Imagine standing before Jesus, and Jesus said, did you let my my people, these people, they let them into your church. Imagine the pastor saying, no, they had lice, Jesus, come on. Surely your standards, no, if they have lice, they can't come into my, and they'll wreck our building. Wow, there's a church running the wrong way. Love God, love your neighbor. The Samaritan is a perfect story. You guys know, you're good students of the Bible. You know the stories about how the Samaritans really loved the Jews, and the Jews just loved the Samaritans, didn't they? They hated each other. In fact, the Jewish law saw Gentiles or Samaritans. They basically said, the law said they're not our neighbors. The only neighbors we have are true Jews who believe the same stuff we believe, who go to our church and have Jewish blood in their veins. That's who our neighbors are. So everybody gets us off the hook from everybody else. In fact, what I said was if a Jew saw a Samaritan at the side of the road who was dying or in danger, the Jew didn't have to help them. They hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were half-breeds. The Samaritans welcomed criminals. The Samaritans had this weird faith system going on. It wasn't the same as our faith system. So they're not our neighbors. And because of the Jews' hatred towards the Samaritans, well, the Samaritans hated the Jews too. It's kind of how it works, isn't it? One gang goes shoot somebody from another gang. That guy then goes out and shoots somebody from that gang. And they hate each other. And there's a flare-up of, of escalation of violence. The Samaritan gangs, the Jews, the Crips, the Bloods, the same deal. It really is. And so here you have this story, and boy, does Jesus really get that knife and twist it right into that, that teacher of the law, doesn't he? Because the teacher of the law knows Samaritans are not our neighbors. So then Jesus switches the table. He tells this great story of this hated Samaritan helping a Jew. And he also tells about the Jews who are, who are the priests <laughs> not helping the Jew at the fallen side of the road. Jesus just twists it in there and tells the great story. And he says, you tell me who's the real neighbor here. Who's the one that really loves God and loves others? And the teacher of the law had to say, the Samaritan. And I love what Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Now, the interesting thing, you know, these Samaritans, it's like, you know, this, this, it'd be this Samaritan helping a Jew or a Jew helping a Samaritan. It would be like an American Marine in Afghanistan who lost family members in the World Trade Center finding an Al-Qaeda soldier injured and picking that soldier up, paying for the medical expenses, taking care of that soldier. That's what happened in this story of the Samaritan. Isn't that incredible? 
That's an incredible act of love. And the word love in the original language when Jesus is talking from the scriptures here is the word agape. It means you've chosen, you've committed yourself. I have chosen to love somebody no matter what they're like, no matter what they've done. And so Jesus is saying, you really want to do love? You really want to see love? Then you got to love whoever's in need. Doesn't matter what their background is. Doesn't matter what their faith system is. Doesn't matter the color of their skin. Doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor. If they're in need, they are your neighbor. They are your neighbor. Now, I don't know about you, but isn't that powerful evangelism? I was, we were talking to some of my guys are here. One of our guys, Curtis, up in Scarborough. We had a couple of shootings in Scarborough on Saturday night. We lost a couple of guys. But Curtis lives in that community, and he was, uh, we asked the question, how did you guys come to know Christ? And Curtis told us his story. He was one of these kids that would come to our program, and he would swear like crazy. He'd say, I'd go home at night, and I would just think of ways how to torment you guys. He says, but you welcomed me. You accepted me. You listened to me. And he says, I heard your, your gospel. I mean, you preached it to us, but, but it wasn't the words. It was the love. It was the love. And he said, one night I came home, and I began to think, how can I torment them? Because this isn't working. And I felt so convicted that I fell on my knees and I asked Christ into my life. It was the love. I love what 1 John says, you know. God is what? Love. And if God is love, then what happens when we show love? God shows up. God shows up. I got a great PowerPoint here. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, you, you, Colin, you are a good Colin. You're one of the good Colins out there, you know. You ever have, remember that old Sesame Street song? Maybe you remember it when you were a kid. One of these things don't belong together. One of these things are not the same. <laughs> Hello, boys and girls. Can you tell me what doesn't belong here? That's Ethel, the one in the middle. I met Ethel a few years ago running a site over in the North Etobicoke, troubled community there, and we were running a summer camp there as well for, for junior high kids. We had about 70 junior high kids in the basement of a church. It was a good church. They didn't run away from the fire, but they welcomed it in. And so we said, great, Pastor, you're wonderful. We got 70 kids. Can we utilize your building? He said, sure. So I'm going up to the building to check on the program, and I pull in the parking lot, and I see Ethel, and Ethel's got her cane, and she's walking towards the door, and I'm, like, terrified. Poor Ethel, she's going to walk into this building, and there's like 60, 70 kids, and the music's blaring, doom, 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 you know. They're dancing. They're having a great time. And Ethel, one of these things don't belong. She's coming into this. So I ran ahead of her. I opened the door. I said, excuse me, ma'am, before I actually open the door, I need to warn you, there's about 70 young people in the basement. They're crazy. They're loud. The music is blaring. They're actually good kids, but, I, but you need to know that. And she looked at me, and she said, I know that, silly. And I was shocked. I was like, what? She goes, I teach him how to bake muffins every Wednesday. I'm a volunteer. Now get out of my way. I'm late. <laughs> so I did what you would do. I got out of the way. And, and I watched her. She goes down the stairs. I watched her go down the stairs because I was going down to check on the program. And as she, the doors opened into this basement and the music's play, playing. I watched Ethel walk in and all the kids love her. And they all form, form a little gauntlet. And she's walking through and she's high-fiving them. You know, they're came. Boom, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> You know, woo, you know. And so I fought, and she goes into the kitchen. And there's kids, there they are. Aprons on, mixing bowls. Miss Ethel, yeah. What are we baking today? Cookies, muffins, what's going on? And I watched this woman, it was amazing. I watched Jesus. 
I watched love. And God's love was in that place. She was an amazing lady. She's in her 80s. They're in their early teens, middle teens. She's white, they're black. She's British. They're all over the place. Caribbean, different nations, different countries. I love that. That's Toronto. But you know what? Who cares? Because when love shows up, love is colorblind. Love just breaks the whole barriers of every barrier there is. Because that's when Jesus shows up. Love God. Love your neighbor. Nothing else matters. Let me end off by telling you a story of a pastor I know. His friend is another pastor in New York City, and he was, every morning at 6.30 in the morning, he would go to the local coffee shop before he went to his church. And he did this every day, on Monday to Friday. You know, coffee, donut, coffee, go to church. And he said, you know, all the people in this coffee shop, they're all the same. They're all the same people would come in, but nobody knew each other. People in business suits, mothers, whatever. They're all coming in, same people, but nobody knew each other. So after a while, my friend, he said, well, you know what? I want to I get to know people. He's a pastor, right? So he's kind of rambunctious. So he stands up and he goes, hello, everybody. We've all been coming here. You all look the same to me. I look the same to you, but nobody knows each other's names. We don't know what we do. So my name's John, and I'm a pastor. I'd like to know what your names are and what you do. Of course, no one said anything, so he said, okay, well, how about you? You start. Bang. You know, the guy says, oh, my name's, you know, my name's Frank, and I, I work over in, in Wall Street there. And, okay, good, Frank. How about you? Oh, my name is Bernadette, and I'm a uh, office administrator over at whatever, you know? And they begin to say who they were. So after this happened, they begin to know each other. Hey, Bernadette, how you doing? Hey, you doing, John? How you doing, Frank? They begin to talk a little bit. But the guy who ran the, the coffee shop, he never said anything. They didn't even know his name. They just called him Harry, but he would never say his real name. <laughs> hey, Harry, 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 you know. And they tried to get him to talk, but he wouldn't talk. Now, it was when the war in Iraq was, gonna, was beginning to flare up and the U.S. forces were all ready to bomb that place, Baghdad. And one day, Harry stood up. He said, you know, you guys have been, you all know each other's names. You don't know my name, Mo. I'm going to tell you, my real name is Hussein. I'm from Baghdad. That's why I've been quiet, because I didn't know if you'd accept me. My family lives there. I have lots of family in Baghdad. I'm a proud American. But that's who I am. And that's what I do. I serve you coffee. I give you donuts. And I'm from Baghdad. And they all kind of were silent. They didn't know how to respond. The next morning at 6.30, John's shaving, getting ready to go to the donut store. And he hears on the news that Baghdad is under attack. The American forces are just bombing the daylights out of that place. He drops his razor. He says, I got to get to the coffee shop. I got to be with Hussein. He's got family there. He's my friend. He runs over to the coffee shop, and there's a lineup of people waiting for Hussein. And Hussein comes, and they all gather around him, and they all put their arms around him, and they're crying with him, and they're praying for him, and they're weeping with him. And John said this. He said, never in my life have I ever felt the Spirit of God in any church or in any other religious experience than I did at that greasy spoon coffee shop with Hussein that day. Love God. Love your neighbor. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So which way are you guys running? And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I run the right way, and there's other times I get tackled, I get disillusioned, and I start running the wrong way. And nine times out of, my nine times out of ten, my wife will smack me on the face and say, you're going the wrong direction. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. But maybe today was a time just to challenge you to make you think. Maybe you've been tackled. 
and you're running the wrong direction. And I pray, as I will pray in a second, that you'll end up going the right way again. To love God, to love people, because nothing else matters. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for your grace. I want to love you more than anything else. I want to love my neighbors as well. I want to, I, Lord, I know that if I love you properly, I can't help but love my neighbor as well. So, Lord, I just pray for my brothers and my sisters in this wonderful place. Lord, they're learning some great stuff. But, Lord, what good is it if they run the wrong way with it? So, Lord, I pray that they will see the heart of the matter. And that's the calling that you've given them, to love you with everything they got and to love their neighbors. I pray this in your name. Amen.